Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going through verse by verse. Uh, we worked our way almost halfway through the chapter, so if you're in a rush, um, you better learn to slow down because we just take it verse by verse as the Lord leads. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We thank you for all you're doing in our midst. We thank you for our country. And Lord, we don't take it lightly what's happening. Uh, we, we pray. We pray on a regular basis for our leaders because they need Jesus. 70, 80 years is nothing. Eternity awaits them. And so, Father, we stand in the gap for their salvation. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are around these leaders, Lord, nationally, state, even within our local area here, whatever city we belong in. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that you would give them boldness in these days we're living in, that they would have their Bibles open on their free time, that they'd be sharing the gospel on their free time, that they'd be praying with other officials on their free time. Lord, give them more of your Holy Spirit in these desperate days, for we know these days are here upon us, and it must be. Your word will be fulfilled, which means Jesus is coming back for a church, for his bride, And we are ready and waiting. We're looking for his soon return. At any moment, he could come back. Nothing is stopping him. And so, Father, we thank you for that joyful expectation of coming good. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and that you would be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we left off last week seeing that there is a difference between division and separation within the realm of Bible-believing Christians. And you can pick up a CD, get the whole study. They're free. They're over there on the south wall. It's a very important principle. But the bottom line, it comes down to loving others even when we disagree. So let's wrap up this first area of sin that Paul's addressing to the Corinthian church. There was sin in the church. And this is one of the reasons Paul's writing this letter, just one. Division in regards to picking a leader to follow after. And so let's read all of our verses this morning, and then we'll come back and go through them verse by verse. So 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made the foolish? 
made foolish the wisdom of this world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Verse 13, Paul asks an obvious question. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Are there teachings about the Christ? Are they te- were the teachings of these men different or divided? No. Paul has showed these believers through the scriptures that there is only one Messiah, the Christ, and that Jesus was the one who fulfilled those scriptures. Paul, Apollos, Peter, they all taught the same truth about Jesus being the Christ. You see, it wasn't the teachers, but the students who were in the wrong. And that's really important for you and I. I as well, even though I'm teaching you now, I listen to other pastors. That's how I grow. I have a hard time reading, so I I listen audibly to teachings throughout the week as well as read. I need to be taught. I have not arrived. I don't have it all together. Don't ever think that. I don't. And so I need to be in the Word. And as I'm in the Word privately, personally, and then I listen to other teachers, it helps me keep me on track because that's what we see happening here. People were off track. Now, they didn't have all the Scriptures, so we can't blame them too much. They're now receiving a portion of those Scriptures. But for you and I, we should take personal responsibility. When we get pulled away by something goofy, and it's because a pastor said it or somebody else said it and we don't verify it in the word of God. We just, oh, well, they're a pastor. They must know what they're talking about. Verify it via the word of God. Now, we can trust pastors to a certain extent. We can trust elders and deacons and we can trust one another to a certain extent. But we have to make sure that we're going back through the word. Back through, not scrutinizing, not trying to find something wrong. I'm not insinuating that at all. Show love, grace, and mercy. But we should at least be in the word ourselves where something, if somebody does say something, we can go, something's, something's not right there. I'm not sure what it is. I'm going to go home and I'm going to study. And if it's not right, I'm going to go to that person one-on-one, privately, humbly, because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I heard something wrong. You see, when I teach up here, I got 40 minutes to cover so many things. And so I could say something and one person could really receive it wrong. And that does happen. So you have to keep coming and coming and coming and see the bigger picture and realize I only got 40 minutes to make a mistake is pretty easy. It's pretty easy. So you have to show grace and mercy and as you learn me and you learn the scriptures and you learn that I go back to the scriptures and I don't take them out of context, you're going to go, okay, it was just a slip up. That, that's not his character. That's not the teaching here. The other cheap pastors do it too. They keep going back to the Bible, 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 Bible. You'll get used to that. Maybe you're not used to it. You'll get used to it. Paul then makes it at this point as well that he didn't, sacrifice, he didn't sacrifice his life for the church. Jesus did. He will expound on this deeper in just a few verses, but for now he asked them a very important question that shows us the next area of sin. So the first area was picking a leader. I'm following Paul. I'm following Apollos. I'm following Peter. I'm super spiritual. I only follow Jesus. I don't need anybody to, to teach me. No, no, that's sin. And that causes division. So the next area is what? Baptism. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I have baptized in my own name. Very important there. I'll touch on this in a minute. In my own name. So Paul was not baptizing anybody in the name of Paul. He's baptizing them in the name of Jesus. 
Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Why? For Christ did not send me to baptize. Now, who did God send to baptize? John the Baptist. That was his very specific ministry. But it wasn't for salvation. It was for a call of repentance. Repent and get baptized. Now, maybe you're young or new in the faith. Repent means to turn, to acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to repent from my sin. I'm going to turn to the only one who can save me. And I'm going to ask him to save me. That's what John, if John wasn't doing it for him, John was saying, repent, turn to God. Turn to God. That was his very specific ministry. Does anyone else have that specific ministry? No. Our ministry as ambassadors for Christ is to bring Jesus to them and then to encourage them to get baptized. We'll get there, okay? For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, I encourage you not to get caught up with the wisdom of words that you think you might have, Republican versus Democrat, black versus white versus Mexican, male versus female, this, that, or the other thing. Just go to the Bible. Just go to the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Not hearing by the words of Jim. Hearing by the words of God. Be careful that you don't think you're more smart, that you're really smart when you're not. But for now, he asked him a very important question. Again, so... This shouldn't be happening, but unfortunately it does, even in churches, and it brings division within the church. There are some churches that believe you have to be baptized in order to be saved. That would be a work. That would be Jesus plus water baptism saves you. There are other churches that believe you have to be baptized into a certain denomination to be saved. This is under the banner of Christianity. Okay, we're, we're talking about Christians. He's writing to Christians. I'm not talking about Mormonism and all the other isms. I'm talking about Christianity under today, under the banner of Christianity. If you're not baptized into their church, you're not saved. Again, there are others that, that you have to be baptized using a specific name in order to be saved. And we have people that have been attending this church now for 17 years who came out of that type of church. You had to be baptized with a, using very specific terminology and only one name, the name of Jesus. You were baptized using any other name. I baptize you in the name of God the Father. I baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit. I baptize you in the name of Jesus. No, no. it's got to be Jesus only. Jesus only. If you're baptized any other way, you're not saved. So the issue that Paul is really addressing here is not the issue of water baptism itself, but the issue of using a ritual or a rite, which here at Calvary we do have rituals or rites, of water baptism to be saved. The reason I believe this is the case is because Paul goes right into the cross after these verses on baptism. Very, very obvious. So you want, when you read something and you think you're going down a right road or a wrong road, read the verses before. Read five, six, seven, eight, nine verses before. Read that many verses afterwards. Get the context of the text. Baptizing for the dead. There is no such thing as baptizing for the dead, physical dead. People that are spiritually dead, yes. That's why we invite families and that's why many of you will say, hey, when's the next baptism? I want to invite my unsaved family members. I want to invite the dead to church. 
so that they can see my public proclamation of my inward commitment. They're spiritually dead. No baptizing for the physical dead. It's from the pit of hell. So we want to be careful that we read all the scriptures. You see, the scriptures are clear about the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior, that Jesus is that acceptable sacrifice required by the scriptures, that he died and rose again to cover the sins of humanity as we're approaching 8 billion people. Is there one person of those 8 billion people whose sins are not forgiven? Feel free to shake your head no. They were all taken on the cross. Now, does that mean that all 8 billion people are going to heaven? Feel free to shake your head no. They're forgiven. But how many have appropriated that forgiveness? How many have said, yes, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I want Jesus to be my savior, not just the spirit brother of Lucifer, not just a great prophet, not just a really good teacher. He is God. And I need God in my life. Those are the ones they appropriate forgiveness. But forgiveness is available for 8 billion people. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So even all of us in this room, I've been saved for 42 years now. It wasn't me. It was God pursuing me. I I don't take any credit. Right there, it says it. Not of yourselves. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not of water baptism, speaking in tongues, knocking on doors, whatever it is. None of that counts. It's only through faith. So if baptism actually completed the salvation process in a believer... Let's use a little thought process here. Then Paul surely would have baptized everyone, everyone that came to the saving knowledge of Jesus being the Christ to his ministry. There's absolutely no doubt about that. How about John 4? Therefore, very early on in Jesus' ministry, therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though... Jesus himself did not baptize. You'll find, find that out, okay? He didn't baptize. But his disciples baptized. Interesting. That's why you want to read the whole Bible. So again, wouldn't Jesus have personally given us that example of water baptism if it was required for salvation? Absolutely. He wouldn't have left us floundering. This is where division starts to take root. You see, man's doctrines of the flesh, man's doctrine, the mankind, and I'm still using the word man, and I'm going to still use the word woman. Not at the end of my prayers, but it'll be amen at the end of my prayers. Man's doctrine of the flesh, which creates bondage, and this can happen in Calvary Chapel. If we get away from the Bible, and we go down a road of, well, you have to do it this way, Versus the truth of the Spirit via God's Word, which brings freedom. Brings freedom. That's what it's all about. The Heavenly Father is not concerned with fleshly works, such as how you were baptized or by what verbiage or method, but that you were baptized, period. Were you baptized? Were you ever baptized? I've been talking about extremes here, but we don't want to go to the other extreme and make water baptism a flippant thing. Because it's not. It's a very serious spiritual principle involving water, and it's crucial for your walk in the faith. And I encourage you 
to study, start studying Romans chapter 6. And we also have a pamphlet in the lobby that you can get a flyer, not a pamphlet, a flyer. If you haven't been water baptized, you really should be. You should be. Maybe you're, maybe you're 30 years in the Lord and you never got baptized. So get baptized. When you read the scriptures, you'll start to understand why. Why? The very important spiritual principle. Not for salvation purposes, but again, but for fulfilling a biblical principle. And I believe you're all here because you want, you loved God, you love Jesus, you want to fulfill scriptures. And so again, this has nothing to do with salvation, it has nothing to do with Calvary Chapel, it has to do with the spiritual principle that's found in your Bible. So I'd encourage you to do it. You pray about it, whether you do or not, it's up to you. Where are we at? All right, here we go. Let's look at the end of verse 17. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Those words should be made of none effect. All of those words, they mean to make empty or, listen to this, to make empty or false. Empty or false. So if my Bible tells me that I get saved through the blood of Jesus Christ only, and then I add water baptism in it, I've now made the cross empty, and I've made the gospel false. Because the gospel is, as we just read, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. That's the only way you're saved. So you and I, even as individual believers, we can negate the cross or make it empty or even falsify the scriptures if we take a biblical stance that we shouldn't take. So that's why we want to be reading from Genesis to Revelation. So that we in wisdom and and being around others and listening and reading, we don't get off. We don't get out of whack. No, we're heading to heaven. We stay on that narrow, narrow, narrow path, as Jesus said. Very narrow path. But you and I have that responsibility. You see, Paul makes it plain and clear, so clear that a newborn Christian can understand the simplicity of the gospel. Paul didn't come to baptize, but to preach about the cross. And I love what he says in this verse because I believe it confirms what we just talked about. Man's wisdom will try to add something to the finished work of Jesus so that a person might take some credit. It's Jesus plus nothing that equals salvation. And I didn't come up with that. I heard that a long time ago. But it's, it's just reality. Jesus plus nothing, that equals salvation. Religion will say that it's Jesus plus water baptism or giving a certain amount of money or belonging to a certain church or speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues. All of these requirements, knocking on so many doors. You see, these are things what are what I see as the wisdom of man. The wisdom of man. Trying to place a responsibility upon a person for their salvation that should never be there. Salvation is initiated by God. We just respond to that call. But when a person or a religion adds to the finished work of the cross, they are attacking, as I've already mentioned, the effectiveness of the cross of Christ. History is full of examples of how the enemy tries to use works, which basically comes down to a pride issue. It's a pride issue, which God hates pride, by the way as a tool to cause division within the body of Christ. As we can see, the early church was starting to divide over an issue that really wasn't an issue. Isn't that kind of weird? The early church, is it that weird? Or does that still happen today, unfortunately, under the banner of Christianity? Unfortunately, there are churches 
What's, what's a church split? How many of you ever heard of a church split? Anybody ever heard of a church split? Raise your hands up high so that others that haven't can see it. Because sometimes if I say something, they go, I don't believe that. Okay, you're, you're witnessing it. Why was there a church split? Well, we wanted blue carpet and they put down purple carpet. That really offended me and they didn't take my input, so I'm out of here. Or a doctrine, the rapture. Oh, they believe in the rapture. We're out of here. Really? You don't believe in it? Don't worry about it. We'll explain it on the way up. But don't divide over it. Don't divide over it. It's just, it's not, that is, it's not worth dividing. It's ridiculous. You see, this whole works process has found its way into many pastors' lives. I don't blame the sheep. I put the blame on the pastors. And that is why we have so many churches and so, many, so much confusion within the universal church under the banner of Christianity. There are many scriptures that people will pull out of context to uphold their fleshly or prideful doctrine. Read the whole word of God. And then, as I already mentioned, study before and after the reference verses. It's a very easy way to see why some of the teachings within various churches are not biblical. Verses 18 through 21. For the message of the cross. Guys, that's why we're here. We're not here for a pep talk. We're not here to get, uh, what do they call Motivation. You know, pastors should not be a motivational speaker. Pastors should be teaching the word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Bible. That's the role, to encourage and strengthen. And yes, you may get motivated by it, but you also might get rebuked by it. And I don't intend that. That's just the Holy Spirit working in your life. You might get convicted by it. Someone sitting right next to you, I've heard this over the decades. Somebody will come up after the service and they'll say, that was just for me and you said this and I've got to go... And I got to clarify, I go, okay, I did say that, but make sure that you don't take that as condemnation because condemnation is of the devil. Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation will push you away, and I desire to push no one away. Conviction will draw you close to God, and that's my desire. And they'll go, oh, no, no, it, yeah, I get, I get it. No, I was totally convicted. And I'm just like, wow, it wasn't even my notes. That's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in our midst, and we don't even know, probably 99% of the time, how he's doing that. Every now and then, somebody will come up and say something. We'll go, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. You're awesome. You're wonderful. So it's about the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's like, oh, forget. Better go down that road. But to us who are being saved... It is the power of God, the cross. It's the power of God. The world doesn't understand this. It's like walking around today with an electric chair around your neck. Nobody's going to understand that. Why are you wearing an electric chair? It's power in here. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of volts going through that thing. No, 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 no. The cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Notice this, guys, as maybe you're really getting upset about what's going on in our government, and they they think they're so wise, but they're actually foolish. We know that. We see that. Don't get caught up in it. Pray for them. It's the best thing you can do. Pray for them. Love them. And bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Who's going to call God on the carpet when they stand before him? I can guarantee you, not one individual. Not one individual. Where is the disputer of this age? 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Since then, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. So we're not going to find God through religious wisdom. As I was born and raised in a religious institution that was supposedly has a lot of wisdom, yet we had to get saved through the church. It was Jesus plus church attendance. It was Jesus plus church teaching. And if you ever leave the church, you're damned. You are going to purgatory, and then you're going to hell, which there's no difference between the two, but they made one up so they could make some money. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It's foolishness, you believing in the cross. Yeah, you're absolutely foolish. Well, they don't know the rest of the story. My God has already won. I know the rest of the story. You see, the preaching of the cross was foolishness to those who were alive in that day and age. As we read a book, you want to go back to that day and age to get more flavor, more understanding. You see, Rome had refined, they didn't invent it, they refined crucifixion. And we'll talk more about this on our Good Friday service, so I encourage you to come out when that's going to happen here in a couple Fridays. We'll go into greater detail on that. You see, crucifixion struck fear in the hearts of the most hardened criminal. There wasn't repeal, 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 and 30 years later we'll think we'll crucify you. No, 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 no. You're going to the cross. It was a slow, painful, and on purpose, a torturous death. On purpose. It struck the fear. It was such a nasty form of punishment that Roman citizens were not even subjected to it. If you were born, raised, Roman citizen, even if you bought into Roman citizenship, which you could do, you would not be crucified. Crucifixion was so grotesque that it was not even talked about among the Roman social elite. So when Paul says that preaching about the cross is foolishness, it was. Humanly speaking, there was no hope for anyone who was going to be crucified. You didn't get off the cross alive. That's why you cannot approach the cross through a human point of understanding. You must approach it from heaven's perspective. It makes no sense humanly. Heavenly, yes. When a person approaches it from heaven's perspective, they'll receive power, they'll receive strength, because God can only save us from our sins. As we look at verses 19 and 20, Paul asks about those who thought that they were wise. Remember, he's writing to a group of people that living in a society in a city where the latest philosophy was being promoted. Sounds like the United States. Oh, we're so wise. 24 people under 20 years old died in Arizona over the last year of the COVID-19. 20, recorded 24 20-year-olds and below. Yet we're going to start vaccinating six-month-olds? And oh, by the way, it's a trial. Who wants to give their children up for a trial? Any of you want to give your... Yeah, yeah, shoot my child. See what happens. Yeah, I'd like to see what happens. It's ludicrous. Yet millions are going, that's a great idea. Why? Well, I don't want my little Johnny going to grandma's house and killing grandma. Little Johnny ain't going to do it. That's science. That's been proven. It's not going to happen. Psalm 139, God knows the number of our days, so don't worry about little Johnny. God's going to take care of little Johnny. Be wise, be cautious, be careful. I I go all that. That's totally understandable. But it's foolishness. 
Let's look at Psalm 115. Psalm 115. Mankind has been trying to get God out of society for thousands of years. This is not new, guys. And why? Because we're told in the scriptures that Satan is the God of this world. Little g. He has a lot of power. Now, it's not, a, it's not a power struggle between God and Satan. Not at all. As I've already mentioned, with the brightness of his glory, Jesus is going to totally eliminate the enemy. But we have free will. And so since we have free will, we have free choice. And God allows the enemy to do his thing to see what are we going to choose. Are we going to feed the flesh? Are we going to feed the spirit? We have free will. Are we going to choose a savior? Or are we not going to choose a savior? Psalm 115, 4 through 8, their idols are silver and gold. Now, this fits in right with today, doesn't it? What are, (laughs) even on Christian websites, what are some people that are so wise encouraging you Christians to do? Buy gold! You'll be able to eat it later on. It's rock hard, you're not going to be able to eat it. What What are they trying to get you to do? Invest, trust, trust in your gold. Are they encouraging people? Are you reading your Bible? Buy a Bible today. It'll get you to heaven. No, buy gold, buy silver, precious metals. I don't see them mentioning the Bible. Are you reading your Bible? Why aren't they saying that? Do you know Jesus as your savior? Why aren't they saying that? No, do you have enough gold? Eyes have seen. So we have idols, guys. The work of man's hands. We have idols. Hollywood is falling apart, praise God. But that's an idol. Music can be an idol. Your body can be an idol. There's a lot of idols. So as we read this, don't think, oh, well, I don't have any little Buddha or anything in my house. Get that out of your head. What are you lifting up above God? Anything you lift above God is an idol. Your car, your brand new car, You park way out because you don't want it to get scratched. You pray for it as you go into the store. (laughs) God protect it. Don't let anybody park next to me. That's your idol. Open the door and ding it. Get it off your, get it off, man. (laughs) Don't take that bondage. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Here's the conclusion. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who, what? What's that word? Trust. Guys, don't trust in it. Don't trust in your 401k because it's going away. Don't trust in Social Security. Don't trust in a check. We're imploding. We're imploding. Trust in God and use those other things. Hey, if it lasts, praise God. We're doing that. We're investing. I'm not knocking. I'm just saying don't trust in it. How about Isaiah chapter 44? Isaiah chapter 44. Again, just a, a wonderful picture of humanity. This is happening in every single religion. Every single religion. And it can creep into Christianity. It can creep into our heart, my heart, your heart. Be careful. Isaiah 44, 14. He cuts down cedars for himself and takes the cypress and the oak. 
He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine, and the water nourishes it. Then it shall be for the man to burn, for he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half, he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. They do not know nor understand. For God has shut their eyes so that they cannot see and their hearts so that they cannot understand. And no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire, yes. I have also baked bread on it, it's coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? A god? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes a deceived. Here's the key for you and I. What can we pull out of all this? Because in Revelation chapter 12, the enemy's number one goal is what? Deception. The enemy's number one goal is deception. Revelation chapter 12. Then comes John 10, 10. The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. Most people, when I say this, they'll go, oh, John 10, 10. No, no, that's not his number one. That's two, three, and four. Number one is deception. What are you going to trust in? A mask? A vaccine? The government? What are you going to trust in? And again, modern technology, science, I, I love it. Vaccine, yes, yeah, don't, don't take it out of context. It's a blessing to have all these things. But what are you going to trust in? That's the bottom line. Where does your trust lie? A deceived heart has turned him aside. And he, the individual, you and I, We cannot deliver our soul. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you are going to die and you are going to get a new body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There is a a natural body and there is a spiritual body. All of us are going to receive a spiritual body. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you say, I don't want your religion, I can't wait to get out and have lunch, I'm never coming back here, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus, I'm just letting you know, God loves you, he sent his son to die for you, you reject him, you're not rejecting me, you're not rejecting Calvary Chapel, you're rejecting the gospel. And God doesn't send anybody to hell, you're choosing to go there yourself. And it's not going to be a party. You think it's hot here in Arizona, It's, it's really hot. A deceived heart has turned him aside and he cannot deliver his soul. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven. Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, as the music team comes up, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Isn't that amazing? You are a blessing to God. It's hard to imagine that. But even this morning in in our daily reading, I hope you're doing a daily reading, but we have daily reading schedules in the agape boxes. You can pick them up, they're free. But in our daily reading today, um, even the Father from heaven, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Did it just thunder? I think it just thundered. No, 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 an angel. I think an angel just spoke to him. 
God the Father said to his son, I'm well pleased. And Jesus said in the daily reading, him who honors me, him who honors me, the Father will honor him or her. Isn't that crazy? God's going to honor me? Who am I? Read your Bible. That's what the Bible says. Belief affects behavior. As your belief becomes more solid, 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 solid in the faith, you're going to be sinning less. We'll never be sinless. Only Jesus was sinless. We'll never be sinless. But we should be sinning less. That's the glorious news of the gospel. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are God and your ways are far greater than our ways. And your plans far outweigh any plans that we might have. And that's why we always want to pray, your will be done. We'll make our plans, but we ultimately want your will to be done in our lives. Lord, help us to be wise in investing our time, our resources, our our energy. Help us to be wise in these days that are so crazy. We know that you are not the author of confusion. The devil is. So you'll never throw anything at us to confuse us. Matter of fact, James says if we pray for wisdom that you'll give it to us abundantly. So Lord, if there's any of us in this room right now that that we need a little bit more wisdom for this day, there's something in our lives happening right now and we really just don't know what to do. We turn to you. You're our dad. You're our father. Your word says that you'll give us more of your Holy Spirit that will then give us the wisdom we need for the situation at hand. So, Father, I thank you and praise you for the simplicity of your gospel. Lord, we pray for uh, this afternoon. Uh, we pray for, uh, there's going to be so many people here. So, Lord, we just lift up the food right now. We ask your blessing upon it. We pray for the fellowship. We thank you for the sweet fellowship we're going to have. Bible-believing Christians, like-minded believers, coming together to encourage and strengthen one another. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, we pray for safety as we have the bubble balls and the rock wall and the bouncy and all the various games we're going to do. We pray for safety, Lord, and that you'll just be glorified in and through the whole picnic, Lord. Thank you for the sweet fellowship that you allow us to have. And for those who can't make it, Lord, we just ask your blessing upon the remainder of our day and this week. And as we go out into our mission field, Lord, may we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit to allow your Holy Spirit to interrupt our schedule. That we might share the gospel with someone for five seconds, five minutes. That we might be a blessing to those who cross our paths. Father, we thank you for this time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand, guys? God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We would love to pray with you. God bless you guys. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.